The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. And good morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show is on the air for Sunday, September 20th. My name is Danny Clayton. Joining me in the studio, Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Good morning. Good morning, Danny. Deanne Phillips is here. She is Director of Client Learning and Development at Annex Wealth Management, a CDFA and a CFP. Good morning to you. Good morning, Danny. And certainly, Derek, in looking at our week in review, uh, we saw a corrective tone this week. And I think as a whole, over the last few weeks, we're beginning to see a sector rotation, right? What's held, held up well this week? Well, I think what we've seen, you know, the last three weeks we've closed down in the major averages, and it's it's basically been led by the big tech stocks that really caused a tremendous rally from the March 23rd lows. I'm talking about names like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Netflix. The FANG stocks, we call them the FANGs. Yeah, right. the FANG stocks. And, and they had had a huge run. They got extended. And what I think we're seeing is investors, they're not exiting the market as much as they're just redeploying assets in areas that they feel, you know, have an opportunity to perform well, assuming the economy continues to improve. So that's essentially what we call sector rotation. It's something that we try to take advantage of at Annex by tactically rebalancing our portfolios. But generally speaking, you know, a 10% correction that we've seen in the NASDAQ, about 7 8% in the S&P 500, that's fairly typical. Happens one to two times a year, particularly after the advance that we saw off the March lows in, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't think it's all that unexpected. Uh, there were a lot of other moving parts this week. Of course, we had the Federal Reserve meeting. What's your take on what the Fed's doing now and the impact that we'll see? I, I think the Fed remains a stockholder's friend. You know, they they said they're going to keep interest rates low until 2023, as evidenced by their dot plots, which is a, a plotting of their expectations for future interest rates. But the other thing that they said this week that was somewhat new is they said they're not going to look to raise rates until two things happen. One inflation rises above their 2% target, which it's nowhere close to. And secondly, they have no intention to, to look to hike rates until they get the unemployment rate, or we see an unemployment rate closer to 4%. Last reported unemployment rate was 8.5%. So there's a lot of window between 8.5% and 4 So the Fed is going to remain our friend. And that, that means that with interest rates at these levels, less than 1% on the 10-year bond, uh, dividend-paying stocks, uh, growth stocks in general, asset classes of all types remain reasonably valued given the low level of interest rates. Right, they absolutely do. Um, and of course, all eyes are on those jobless claims edging lower. Uh, but clearly, especially in light of the additional stimulus act stalling in Congress, um, there's a lot to watch and a lot going on. Then we layer on the election uncertainty on top of this. Yeah, the, the fiscal stimulus package could be a catalyst for stocks to go higher in front of the election because there is some signs that the economy is slowing absent further fiscal stimulus. Uh, the other thing, of course, with the election, you know, talk of a contested election, talk that we won't know who the winner is until many days after November 3rd, that obviously leads to an element of uncertainty that could cause people to be very nervous, cause investors to sit on their hands and the like, uh, not knowing the outcome. 
But finally, you know, this week we also saw that Snowflake IPO. Right. Just It's a manifestation of how strong the technology sector has become as we've learned to live at home, uh, stay at home learning, you know, uh, e-commerce and the rest. Uh, Snowflake went public, traded up to $300, was priced at $120. Uh, valued at over 100 in time revenues. But the thing about Snowflake that's cool is it's basically a bridge between the other cloud platforms from Amazon, uh, Microsoft, and the rest. So they have an open-ended growth opportunity. But again, I caution investors, IPOs, not many shares available for trading. They tend to get priced up pretty quickly because there's a lot of demand and the valuations tend to pull back down the road. So be cautious there, do your research, and don't just pile in. Good stuff. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management. Dan Phillips is here. Guys, I just want to ask you, as you run into clients and different people, how much is that election on the tip of their tongue? Oh, I, every day when I sit in front of clients, um, there's an uncertainty as we enter this countdown. However, you know, we go back to the financial plan. We take a look at uh, their goals and objectives. We take a look at hist- historically what's happened during, uh, well, even as recent as, as COVID, the spike down and the, and the comeback. So there certainly is a absolute reason to stay with your plan, stay invested, don't try to time the market, understand if you're going through a transition, uh, what that will look like. That's what financial planning's for. And make sure to check out our brand new webinar that's coming up, What the U.S. Election Means for Investors. Happens on Tuesday, September 29th at 6 p.m. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Hey folks, stick around. We are going to be back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. Throughout the pandemic, we've stayed in the fight and have consistently said, don't let your emotions guide your financial plan. I know seeing your retirement plan come under attack is hard to take. Now is the time to start a conversation with Annex Wealth Management for fee-only fiduciary guidance. We can help and we are ready. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. The time is now. Be ready for what's next. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. Let's talk soon. Custom-tailored investment and retirement planning from a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. You hear a lot about Roth IRA conversions these days. So you need to take a taxable distribution from your traditional IRA and change it into a Roth IRA. But should you? First, Ron Johnson, CFP and Senior Financial Planner. Did I get that explanation right? You did. Nice job. Ron is one of the team resources when it comes to questions like that. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. The Roth IRA. Give me your elevator speech on that. Right. And I think, Danny, it's easiest just to compare and contrast a traditional IRA versus a Roth, right? So a traditional IRA, you contribute pre-tax, so you don't pay tax on those dollars yet. They grow what is called tax deferred. And then when you withdraw the dollars later, usually in retirement, you pay tax as ordinary income on those dollars. A Roth is actually almost the opposite, where you contribute to the account post-tax, meaning I go ahead and pay income tax on the dollars first, then I make a contribution. Now those dollars grow tax-free, and when I withdraw them at retirement, I don't have any tax consequence at all. For most people, do we follow a checklist to figure out if we're going to go with the Roth, if we're not going to go with the Roth? 
Let's talk about a strategy at a high level when you want to contribute to Roth compared to a traditional IRA. Typically, if you're to look at your career from start to finish, at the beginning, your skills aren't quite as high as they would be in the middle, so your compensation is a little lower. And low compensation years are ideal to go ahead and contribute to Roth IRA. As your skills increase and your income increases, now you want to start thinking about transitioning to a tax-deferred vehicle, right? Pay taxes when we're not in a high-income tax year. And then... As we edge closer to retirement, usually our income falls off again because we've retired. Income goes away. Perfect time now to convert to a Roth IRA. Move those traditional IRA dollars, pay the tax now, and convert them to a Roth IRA. It's almost like there's two sweet spots? Yeah. Okay. I've read that a possible danger to Roths is tax rate rising. Is that something people should keep in mind? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a danger. I would call it a hedge. So if you were to convert to a Roth IRA today, you've paid that tax today, essentially locking in today's rates. Those dollars are now insulated from further tax increases down the road because you've already paid the tax. So it can be helpful from that perspective. One of the other unintended consequences I read about with Roths would the IRA conversion hike a Medicare premium? It, it can. Okay. Uh, I mean, that that is a very good point. So if you're 63 or older, now there's a two-year look back here. That's why we start at 63. Your income can decide what your Part B and your Part D premiums are. So if your income starts to approach over 100, uh, don't quote me on the exact figure, but somewhere right around 175000 for joint filers in 2020, if your income crosses that threshold, your Part B and Part D premiums are going to increase, and they will continue to increase as you cross income hurdles. So we have to be careful of that when we're looking to convert. Would somebody's Social Security be changed because of this, or it would can. it be taxed? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So let's talk about Social Security taxation, right? Let me start this way, Danny. Social Security is taxed by taking half your Social Security benefit plus your other income sources, and then they determine, based on that formula, how much of your Social Security is going to be taxable. It's anywhere from 0 to 85%. So let's just say a couple just retired. They don't have a lot of other income right now, and their Social Security is taxed at 20%. If we do a $50,000 Roth conversion, for instance, now we increase that other income source. We also increase taxation of Social Security commonly referred to as the tax torpedo because you're kind of a double whammy there. So you got to be careful of that as well. Does or does it not make sense? It still might make sense, but maybe just not as attractive. Ron, when somebody comes in, they've clicked the get started button and they get going and they, they, they get the free portfolio analysis and, and we get going and onboard them as clients, 10 different clients. How many of those would require the Roth conversions and are all their IRAs converted? It's really an equation. We look at the age of the client. We look at how much time we have before RMDs begin. Right now, uh, they're at age 72, right? So our sweet spot generally for Roth conversions are between retirement, when the income drops off a cliff, to age 72 typically when RMDs kick in and we see an increase in income again. So that's the window we typically look at for Roth conversion. So we try and spread those dollars out over that time frame. And I would say another pitfall, Danny, of a Roth conversion is don't necessarily want to convert everything. Because every year, taxpayers, even throughout retirement, will get what's called a standard deduction or itemized deductions. And if you have no income, those deductions don't offset anything. And you've essentially burned them. So you always want some income coming in. 
you have so many data points to consider. So of those 10 brand new clients, none of them are going to be the same. That's right. It's all data. And some of it is, is feel of the client and their thoughts and attitudes towards it as well. That's what we do at Annex Wealth Management. Ron, thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Danny. Thanks. Quick break. We will be back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It seems like so much of our future is tied to the global pandemic and upcoming election. But there's no better time to get an honest review of where you are and where you're headed and what choices you have looking ahead. Contact Annex Wealth Management today. Set up a time where we can meet in person or securely online and get a free portfolio review from a local, independent, fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Get started at AnnexWealth.com. Team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? Head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Besides clicking that Get Started button, look for the Ask button. You can submit a question. We get back to everybody, client or not. Some of them make the radio. Sometimes they're hard questions. Sometimes they're easy questions. Let's start with the hard stuff. Okay, guys. Uh, First one is from John. What asset classes perform best when budget deficits are large? Okay, let's break that question down. So, you know, you said it was a hard question, and I think we do a really good job of taking the complex stuff and putting it into digestible pieces. So asset class, when you hear that, that could be a stock, a bond, real estate, and cash, right? There, you know, there's essentially four areas that you can invest in. And then from there, if think about a tic-tac-toe box, Danny, and in that, there, particularly in equities, there's large, mid, and small. There is growth, a balanced, and value, right? Yep. And where do you go in that tic-tac-toe box? And that's where the art comes in, you know, and we combine that with science. Now, taking all of that, Derek, and saying, what do we do when budget deficits are large? Over the last 90 years, during periods with high budget deficits, small caps have dramatically outperformed large caps during periods of high budget deficits, and equities have also trounced the return of corporate bonds. So that may be counterintuitive to some people, but generally speaking, higher budget deficits lead to inflation, which boosts corporate earnings, which tend to advantage smaller cap companies over larger cap companies. Now, you talked about inflation, and it's interesting because with inflation, you get interest rates that are affected by that, which means it can affect things like bonds and commodities like gold. Right. It, it negatively affects bonds because as interest rates go up and the inflation implied premium goes up, the price of the bonds go down. And so you have to have some coupon protection, which often leads to higher rates. And in the case of gold, because it generally pays no interest, it doesn't do well either in a higher interest rate environment. And by the way, the U.S. dollar has been part of a lot of people's conversation and so has gold. And so we're seeing right now a movement in the dollar. How does it affect gold? Well, gold is generally priced in dollars, so when, when you see the U.S. dollar weaken, the price of gold generally goes up because the foreign buyers find the gold more attractive f- from their perspective in currency terms. It's Ask Annex. Next one's from Garrett. Why are calendar year 20 and calendar year 21 earnings estimates being raised? Well, being raised from what? I mean, you have to go back. No, I'm serious. So if you if you go back into 2019, if you take the S&P 500 and you know every one of those companies has an earnings, right? Okay. Or some don't, but most do. And then you have an aggregate number. 
for last year, 2019, that aggregate number was about $165, right? IBM had a couple of dollars, Apple had a couple of dollars, and so on, right? It was $165. After this thing hit, Derek, it went down, the estimate went down to 110 I mean, you have got to go back many, many years to get to that number. Well, you do. We basically took out four years of profit growth in, in one fail swoop. And generally speaking, I think the, the answer to this question is the analysts just got way too negative because as the virus developed and as the shutdowns occurred, companies started to adapt and figure it out. People learned how to work at home, which saved them money in some fashion. They learned to right size. And with interest rates and the yield curve starting to steepen, the fixed income sector and the financial sector tend to do a little bit better because that leads to better net interest margins. So that's essentially why I think earnings estimates have risen. The important point, though, is they're not, they haven't risen to anywhere close to where we were in 2019. In fact, right now, the consensus estimate for calendar 21 is still below where we were at the end of 2019. Right. So calendar year 21 is about $143. Again, we were at 165 in 2019. Now that number is up. They did raise it, but they raised it from a very low bar. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It's possible your expenses dropped during the pandemic, less travel, not dining out as much, less driving. Maybe they put a little extra into the bottom line each month. If that happens, what should you do? We're going to talk with Brian Fiore about that. He is Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Danny. First off, the suggestion is start or contribute more to an emergency fund. Do you concur? Uh, yes, emergency fund. So, First, let me say I'm in the camp of travel plans were canceled, didn't dine out as much, still not, and gasoline consumption is down. So I'm in this, That's in you. this situation. That's you, yep. That's me. Yeah, I actually asked my daughter to tell me about her emergency fund today. And she said, well, it's for emergencies, and I don't, but I don't have much. She's a senior in high school. Uh, but we did talk about establishing an emergency fund being one of the best things that one can do for themselves currently and, and for the future. She concurred. She sees how if you have six months of living expenses set aside and safety and security, that's a good thing to do, you know, responsible thing to do. And Brian, she has BOD, which is Bank of Dad, so it's okay. <laughs> the second thing is to add more to your retirement investments. Right. So if you have your emergency fund taken care of, then um, what else can you do with it? And building up your nest egg so you can take care of yourself later in life, it should be close to number two. Good thing about Retirement planning usually is it's long term. So when markets go up and down and volatility happens, downturns in markets, that doesn't really deter your plan. If, if you're on track, just keep adding your 401k or if you have some extra money and you can put more into a Roth IRA or IRA or whatever saving vehicle, even towards your retirement is a good idea now if you're in that situation. We're talking about extra cash flows. We downshift during the pandemic and we're reviewing some ideas with Brian Fiore, branch director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. The third is safe for non-retirement goals. Right. So you don't only spend money on retirement in the future. There's other things you're going to be spending money on. So if you have the emergency fund and retirement on track, then what else might you be spending money on? For example, college for your kids, grandkids, dream vacation, maybe a hovercraft like the Jetsons used to have, whatever. But also, if you are financially independent and you have some extra cash flow, then see if maybe you can make the world better by contributing to charity or being uh, impactful with your your extra money. I know you were kind of joking about the Jetsons, but we're not that far away from that, are we? That's going to be interesting. Hopefully, I live to see it. At the core, Annex Wealth Management assists our clients with investment and retirement planning, and we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We can help with all aspects. We've got it under one roof. That includes estate and tax planning. Brian, you and your team are ready to rock, aren't you? We are. We are. Good to talk with you, and uh, hopefully we talk with more of our listeners in the future. 
I appreciate that. Thanks for joining us. Quick break. We're going to be back to wrap things up. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. Throughout the pandemic, we've stayed in the fight and have consistently said, don't let your emotions guide your financial plan. I know seeing your retirement plan come under attack is hard to take. Now is the time to start a conversation with Annex Wealth Management for fee-only fiduciary guidance. We can help and we are ready. AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. The time is now. Be ready for what's next. I'm Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management. Let's talk soon. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary. And we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. And we're back, Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Just click that Get Started button. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer, is here. President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management is Dave Spano. Dave, I know you're out and about in town. A lot of people know who you are. A lot of people like to get a little advice from you, a little free advice from you. You have a collection of things that people have been coming up and some commonalities. Yeah, there is. And there's a lot of questions that we do get asked. And and as we get to the end of the third quarter, which is really unbelievable to think about what we've gone through in the last six months, but we're getting to the end of the quarter. And there is a practice that mutual fund managers and money managers often do at the end of a quarter. It's called quarter end. And window dressing. What does that mean, Derek? Well, basically what it means is, you know, you have, you know, you're going to show a portfolio to a client at quarter end and, and typically managers would rather get rid of stocks in their portfolios that didn't perform well, particularly if they have a fundamental reason to do so. And by, and vice versa, continue to feed and add to their positions and their winning stocks, because it just makes for a much more pleasant client meeting, less confrontational. And oftentimes the, the clients left thinking, oh my gosh, my manager was really smart, even though they bought the stock two weeks before the end of the quarter yeah but so we you know we have to pay attention to that and the reason why we do that is because the the good stocks are getting bought and the weak stocks are getting sold and therefore if you are if you don't own or if you do own them there is volume coming to some of these names so it's a practice uh, that we do pay attention to the second thing i do want to cover is the federal reserve spoke this week and they really told us that rates we're going to stay low until 2023 and maybe beyond. Just shocking news. And as a matter of fact, uh, it has a, a dramatic effect on everything from the U.S. dollar to equity prices. And I just want to kind of walk through that a little bit. Well, I mean, essentially, if the Fed if the Fed is keeping interest rates low, particularly if they're keeping short-term rates below the rate of inflation, that's generally generating a negative real return. So that's going to be far less attractive to foreign buyers, which leads to less dollar demand, which leads to a weaker dollar. Uh, the other thing it does, too, though, and I think this is the most important point, is, is if, if interest rates are going to remain low, like they say for the next two to three, four years, that makes many equities look very attractive on a valuation basis. So no matter how you you feel about politics, no matter how you feel about uh, where you think inflation would be five years from now, where you think the deficit could go, equities look reasonably well-valued. So dividend-paying stocks look attractive relative to fixed income. Cash doesn't look too bad either, because if you think about it, your fixed income portfolio, which is supposed to cushion you against volatility, won't offer much of a cushion. So you may as well sit in cash rather than run the risk of raising rates, because you could damage some of the bonds in your portfolio. Versus fixed income. So no, no question 
information that risk assets, real estate and equities, do well in low interest rates environment. And finally, I want to end with uh, something I, I did think was curious, and it was the fact that the, the president certainly pushed hard to get Big Ten football back. And if you look at it, Derek, you look at the Big Ten football states, and, and, and really are they, there's a lot of those that are swing states. So I don't know if they're hand in hand, but it was something very curious. Well, I don't think he does anything without some reason behind it. Um, clearly, p- folks in the middle Midwest are very pleased. You know, Ohio State, of course, a perennial national power. Wisconsin, a good team usually as well. Uh, I don't know whether Rutgers needs to be playing, but that's that's <laughs> the way it goes. Exactly. You're going to get that Rutgers mention. Well, he's got to uh, get, you know, yeah. he's an Ivy Leaguer, so he's got to get that. Dave, out. you're talking about some of the people that <clears throat> come up to you from time to time. The, the whole Robin Hood thing. Do you have people come in and, and young guys, mostly young people, mostly want to kind of get in on that action? Well, they, and they did. And I was at the golf course this past week and people were asking me about it. And in that, those folks and, and all blessings to them uh, are buying bubble stocks and, and they're using that to buy some, you know, names like Tesla. You can think of what you want about it. But, you know, we like to buy stocks that have proven s- strategies, that have proven that they have earnings, have proven that we can look at their income statements. And, and know what we're buying. So uh, if you're in there just to trade, Robinhood's a great place. And there's certainly a difference between trading and long-term investing, something that's going to sustain for a long period of time. That's what we do. We're a wealth management firm. You used the difference word. That's Dave Spano, our president and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. We say it a lot. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. We talk about one team that is investment and retirement planning, including tax planning and estate planning. We're not farming that out. One plan that's yours and yours alone from the Annex team and one fee as a fee-only fiduciary, zero commissions. Know the difference. Check out our website. You can do it on a Sunday morning. We'll get going with you early next week when you click that Get Started button. That's it for this week. Have a great one. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.